Yeah, we have a we have a pretty cool episode um, today. We're talking to Barry Nelson from CEO and co-founder of or founder of of Factory Labs. Um, topics around technology, but I, th I think you wanted to uh, kind of give give the uh, give the the warning or lack of warning that it isn't a techie talk. Yeah, that's uh, that was that was kind of the the most fun thing about this conversation too. So uh, just because it has the word technology in it, and um, we're talking with a uh, a founder of a technology company, doesn't mean you have to be a data scientist or anybody that is even remotely techie to get something from the conversation. Um, it is the most uh, non tech tech conversation that we've had um, on Safeonomics, and I, I think it's it's really fantastic uh, if you are. Some, if you're a safety professional that is wanting to understand how do you how, how to bridge those language barriers and language gaps that exist in your organization with regards to operations and management and all the other departments in between, uh, this is definitely a conversation for you. And, uh, and Barry is such a, an easygoing guy to, to talk with and listen to. Um, fantastic. So hope you enjoy it. Hey, I'm uh, Scott Cuthbert, CEO and uh, co-founder of Safepedia. And I'm Gabin Karnashan, Vice President of BDL Safety. And we're uh, pleased that you're joining us today for, what is it, we're episode five, yeah. I think? Wow. Yeah, episode five, 15, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's I, exciting. I got these things. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, uh, and we have a special guest today, Barry Nelson, who's a founder and CEO of Factor Lab. And we're going to be talking about Technology, executive buy-in, pros and cons of uh, of uh, safety professionals kind of diving in and, and getting to be comfortable and, and confident uh, leveraging leveraging technology. Um, so I, I want to give a shout out. I think I think Gabe, we're probably up to like three or four subscribers now. Um, I know your mom is one of them. So. Yeah, my mom's one. My mom's <laughs> one. So that's thank you, mom. Yeah, give your mom a shout out. Um, I'm sure my mom would listen if she knew what a podcast was but uh, she she doesn't so uh, but yeah with without uh further ado let's turn it over to barry let him do a quick intro and then we'll we'll dive into the uh discussion well thanks very much i'm glad that i will be the fifth subscriber so there you go good. i can you know <laughs> listen to this over and over again as i try and fall asleep so that'll be good uh i'm barry ceo and founder of factor lab thank you so much uh scott and gabe for let me be a part of the conversation. Um, so looking forward to the dialogue. Yeah, us yeah, too. Great. great. So yeah, let's jump in. I mean, Barry, you've got you got a tremendous amount of experience. Um, you know, you were at Honeywell for for a number of years. Uh, you were president and CEO at at uh, Predictive Analytics or Predictive Solutions, sorry, as as well. And then uh, your time, obviously, with with Factor Labs. So dealing with a lot of, uh, I'm sure challenges as, as far as as you know getting people on board with with the idea of investing and in, in, uh, implementing technology so can you can you kind of walk us through maybe that, that experience what you've seen kind of as a as an evolution as far as companies you know getting behind supporting and buying into technology you know where where they were where they are now and uh, what you see going forward uh, sure that's a those are a lot of questions. A loaded question. Sorry. <laughs> so wasn't well thought of. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's okay. So yeah, I mean, I I am I think this is a fascinating topic, which is hey, what you know, and as 
as a safety professional or anybody, you're trying to buy some safety technology. How do you, how do you get it done? Right. How does that, this, and why is it hard, you know, and why, and, and I have some thoughts on that. If that's, if that's where we're going and I, hopefully they'll be useful. Um, and I, I think, I also think hopefully we have some time to talk about this today too. I think we're at a we're at a very transitional point in the use of technology in our space. And I think there's a, there's a there's a and that's going to be and it's so important. Maybe that's why this conversation is important because now more than ever everybody should be thinking about how am I going to use these new tools to accomplish my objective. But I I'll start with the if this is where you want to go. I'd love your points of view on this. I think the biggest challenge that anybody makes when they try and buy technology, safety technology specifically is they try and buy technology. Nobody wants, nobody wants or needs any technology. And if you go to someone and you ask them, Hey, can I buy some technology? The answer is going to almost be an always no. And, and then they, we've heard all this sort of, third grade level advice of like, well, if you're gonna buy some technology, you need to have a return on investment. I mean, it's just dumb if you think about that. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, how are you gonna prove that? You know what I mean? And any CEO or anybody that's really gonna have any operational decision to really buy it, they're not gonna, they're not gonna say, show me the return on investment because they're not gonna believe the stuff that you put into it. Because a lot of our stuff is really hard to measure. Is it gonna time incidents? You're gonna really tie it to that stuff. I mean, anybody who buys that, is naive, you know? Now, I do think folks that I've seen that are more successful with this will go to folks with a problem and they're saying, I gotta fix a problem. And like, and here's how I'm gonna fix the problem. And so what's a, what's my problem? By the way, my problem, then this goes, I think, to some interesting stuff around, we're evolving in terms of what problem, like we used to say, my problem is I need automation. Also not really a problem. <laughs> You know what I mean? What do you need? You need to be simpler to do what, right? I need, because I got to owe you a report every month and it takes me too long to do it and it sucks and wasting my time. Like we doing something else. Now you might start to get to something where you have, you know what I mean? You talk about a problem like that or hey, we are hurting way too many people. <laughs> I have no idea why uh, we should try and get some information from the field and try and figure that out. Okay, now you're, you know, I mean, now people can get behind you and say, well, how are we going to measure that? Or what are we going to do? And all that. So I find that if, if folks will start with a problem, real problem, and be really honest, the operations folks are much more likely to get on board. Um, but if we start the other way, it's a problem. So hopefully I didn't go on too long there, but that's just the no. point of view. I'd love your perspective on that. Yeah, well, <clears throat> when when we uh, were, were talking last week, um, you know, you you mentioned, uh, you know, friend or foe, you know, changing your uh, changing your relationship with with operations, right? Because a lot of times the safety department is is uh, not not necessarily seen as the the friend of of operations, <clears throat> and so um, maybe that's uh, you know kind of what you're you're talking a little bit about and. And if you have any advice to safety professionals out there, you can speak to that, then uh, I think that would be great. Yeah, for sure. Gabe, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, there, I, you said a few things that really kind of, you know, my ears kind of pricked up a little bit. One is that, you know, when you're talking about selling technology to a, 
to the safety space or the safety professional. Um, I, I've always thought that that the safety profession as a whole is probably about 10 years behind technologically of where general business is. So that's, first of all, that that is a massive hurdle to get over. If you tell them, hey, I'm going to tell you the, a piece of software or some analytics or or some sort of technology like that, they're used to dealing with with PPE that you can literally hold in your hand or put on your body. Um, that That's a big leap conceptually to go to something like that. And then you were talking about with, with ROI. I never quite thought about it that way with the idea that, okay, I can put together all these figures for you, but they're, are you actually going to believe it when you talk to the CEO or the CFO? <laughs> are you actually going to buy this? Or do you, do you just figure I'm making this up or so you you do have some some serious hurdles to to get over it when you're when you're selling a solution like this or providing a solution like this to the safety professional that that's yeah. that's definitely very difficult well and i think i think if you and all that stuff that's implied in what gabe just said which by the way i'll tie back to what your question was scott in a second is if we could just if you i find that if folks will just flip it a little bit mm -hmm. and be honest but part of the reason that they really struggle is operations doesn't make it easy to be honest, to really come forward and say like, look, I have a problem. Like the safety professional spends much of his time, many of them that I've dealt with, trying to convince people that there's no problems, <laughs> right? Arguing with people about, because by the way, that's their job, right? They get their value out of that. Like, I, you know what? My job is to prevent problems and make things go away. So it's kind of counterintuitive to turn around and say, you know what? We've been trying to do this. We've been, I've been trying to, get people to give me information and, and they just won't give it to me. It's really hard. I don't know what to do. That is hard for many safety professionals to do, to say that. But the ops guys are really waiting for them to say that because they know it. And the way they change their relationship is by just being bold and just saying, we have to fix this. This is dumb. I thought this was a good idea to get this up, but it's just dumb. We're not getting any, we got to do something different. We got to collect different information. We got to figure out how we're going to use it. And let's do, let's figure that out first. And then we'll get to the tech, you know, and, and we're going to need a tool of some sort to do it, but it's the, the, the I always tell people the tool is the tail and the process is the dog, right? They got, they, they work in that order. So I got to make this better because this sucks for all of us. And when, but when you do that, you do a couple of different things at the same time. Number one, you build your credibility with your boss, which changes the nature of the relationship. And number two, I find most ops people are just really waiting for the safety guy to say, I, this is busted. And by the way, I'm, it's not busted and I'm, I'm, I'm blank on ideas. It's busted and I'm going to fix it. And that gives you the credibility that when you go in and you start talking about numbers or ROI or whatever, you're going to, you have what you need in terms of credibility for them to believe you. And you can argue with it as opposed to you're going there and now everybody's arguing about stuff that, gets distracted and fr it's frustrating so by the way what if, say that's back to the other thing you said before so what happens i just not gonna do anything i'm not gonna go back up there and get my head handed to me i don't want that and so i don't do it it's easier i just keep you know what i mean i can i need ppe i can live without the software if i'm gonna lose a fight and i gotta argue with you about hard hat shapes okay i'll take the hard hat shape thing and i never get around the technology but just i suffer as a safety professor because i gotta put up all the crap of trying to make the reports work and it doesn't really do it. And then you're yelling at me and then somebody gets hurt and they say, how come we didn't prevent it? And I didn't have any data. You know what I mean? So we get, we have to, I think that's why this is an important, we got to help them 
maybe think about this slightly differently and how they approach the conversation and maybe they'll have more success in terms of, I, I, I guarantee you will have more success at getting what you want. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we, <clears throat> there's definitely some themes running through, even though we've only only done a handful of episodes of uh, Safeonomics, there's a theme running through and, you know, going back to our first discussion with, with Corey Pitzer, um, Corey and I are, are doing a series on Deming's principles and, and he's really encouraging safety professionals to think of safety the way that um, Deming's thought about quality, quality control, quality management, and that it is part of operations, not separate from operations. And, and even, even um, when we spoke with Abby Ferry, she talked about how she would just poke her head in, you know, and, and give a shout out to, to the ops folks. And, you know, the first, the first few times she did that, they were like, who is she? What's she doing here? And then pretty soon it was like, oh, well, she, she seems committed. She's sticking around and she's asking us what, what challenges we have and how she could help. And now, now she, you know, became a de facto part of, of operations and solving those, solving those problems. So I think that I'm hearing something similar is that we should be looking, thinking of ourselves as part of operations, part of that process that you mentioned and not, not, uh, not something, something separate. So, you know, becoming friend, <laughs> uh, you know, to, to operations, not, not being the foe that's holding things up or, or making things difficult. Yeah, and Barry, you brought up something that was kind of interesting to me too, is that you, you don't just come in with the problem as the safety professional. If you have a solution that you can, you can bring to the table and, and you're probably bringing up a problem that, that other people already see that maybe has not been addressed in the past, but they, everybody knows it's there or a lot of people know it's there. You're, you're probably not, as the safety professional, the first one to bring this to somebody's attention. Right. But um, if you come in with a solution as well, whether that is PPE or a technology solution, um, you can actually resolve that problem. I, I think anybody can, can pick and poke at, at an issue, um, but if you don't actually provide a solution, you're just, you're just gonna kind of tick people off in doing that. Gabe, that's exactly right. And that's that's how you change the relationship. And that's how you get this peer-to-peer. Like nobody, to your point, people would appreciate you coming to say, look, this is a problem. And then I'm going to fix the solution. And then I'm just going to send you a receipt that it's done. You know, like that's that's what they want. Because everybody's got their own set of problems. They don't need new ones. But they're really happy when, when, when people, when they're team members. And it's come to them with this elephant in the room kind of stuff. And here's some op, you know, options to fix it. The the other thing that you, you were kind of getting at, Gabe, is many times people forget to develop the success plan before they get started. Hmm. Interesting. You know what I mean? So go to operations and say, we have a problem. I think, I think our I think our inspections suck. All right. We can't, I don't, I don't know what's happening in the field. The people won't give us, won't give us any information. How many times have you heard that? Right. Yeah. Field won't give me any information. So if you, but by the way, just start there. Okay. Field won't give me any information. Well, let's think through, well, why won't they give me any information? And without getting into the, all the details, there's some stuff about that. that and, and what can we do differently that would encourage them to give us some information? Okay. That's good. And then but before you go buy the technology, so that's the problem, right? And then here's what, then, then go to them and say like, look, here's how we're going to know if we're getting better. 
right? So get the operations guys to buy in up front before we do this. What are we trying to accomplish and how would we know if it was successful? Then get to how is the technology going to help us measure whether or not that was accomplished or how is the technology going to help us actually achieve that? That is a much different, now they're on the same side of the table as opposed to you coming and saying, hey, I'd like to buy an inspection piece of software. Why? How do I know it's going to work? Right. What about all these issues? Well, now you're yeah. arguing, you know what I mean? So you kind of know all that stuff that we just talked about. Well, just get that up front. Changes the nature of the way they view you and how you think about problems. That's that's funny. One of the first things that I would usually try to find out if I was going to pitch an idea to an executive or or a, or to a different department was that I would I'd try to find out what their uh, um, you know are they are they paid on a certain uh, bonus structure? Are they what are the metrics that they're using that are actually going to to help their compensation? So if it's sales, if it's uh, production levels, if it's uh, lowering waste or or those kind of things everybody's got some sort of metrics that they are are working through in order to get paid. So if I could frame it up in such a way where it's like, hey, I have a solution for you that's actually going to help you in these kind of things, you know, I'll, I'll let them do the math in their head that, oh, if, I, if it allows me to increase production by this much, then I'm going to hit my quota and then I can <laughs> get paid this way. So now you're, you're speaking a common language. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're you're spot on in, in looking at it as being a, a partnership and not an adversarial relationship when you're trying to bring a solution to the table. Let them be a, no, I was, just, I was going to say, let them be a part of defining success and let them be a part of working through the problem. I think too often, again, it, we feel like we have to have all the answers as opposed to saying, I have a method for us to solve the problem together. And I don't have to have all the answers, but I have a method to get us to the answers. Right. But there's that that's role that's just perception of what their role is or how they personally perceive their role and how operations perceive them. And if we don't break that unwritten contract, um, it, we don't, we can't break out of the problem. We can't, we can't, we can't change the nature of the relationship. And so then the this stuff doesn't get done. Yeah, no, I, <clears throat> I think that's, super interesting and something that everybody needs to consider, uh, you know, before they bring technology and there's so many, and, and I think we'll, we'll get to it as well, but there's so many failures, so many uh, catastrophe kind of stories out there of, of bringing in technology and having it fail and, and the expense and time and, and, uh, but just, just to kind of break it down, maybe as a, as a starting point, because we've been talking about it a fair bit, <clears throat> you know, I think, in my experience, I've seen people believe that, you know, bringing in software as an example will, will solve a problem for them where they, they don't necessarily have a well-defined process in place. And so in, you, in your experience, um, you know, do you, do you have to have that process well-defined? Do you, do you, is the technology facilitating business processes or is it, is it bringing in new processes that, that maybe didn't exist before this is a very rich topic you know it's it, it obviously it's a depends kind of a situation right you need to it all depends on what the word process means in this context but let's just take an example again of um inspections just and we by the way i want to talk about conversations if we can but you know at some point but because it, it's super important but the but the but the thing is like okay inspections well 
do you do you ask people to collect information today? That if you don't, then that you should do that before you automate it. You know what I mean? Like, what do you? And if you is everybody agreed of what these are? By the way, there's elephants in the room about to. There's a bunch of herd of them about to come in. Um, is that what you call elephants a herd is a gaggle or whatever it is? <laughs> it's a, a, murder, I was thinking a murder more, of elephants. Yeah, but, I was thinking more it's gonna be like can open worms everywhere very yeah, soon. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do to your point about process though, like okay. Um, yeah, so we collect information. What information? What are we gonna do with the information? Right. This is the biggest problem people have with safety stuff, with the inspection stuff, is they're collecting it and nobody knows what to do with it. And it turns out, by the way, you know, it's sort of pet peeve of mine. We're collecting all the wrong stuff. Why? Because we took a paper-based process that we thought was a pretty good idea and we just automated it. And we realized, because that was all we could get people to do, by the way, I built, I invented that concept 2001 on a Palm Pilot. So believe me, I, as a joke, I put my kids through college building forms on devices, which I now abhor, abhor, I hate it. But anyway, second point is we collected a bunch of symptoms right? I have a bunch of housekeeping stuff. You don't have a housekeeping problem. You have a, you didn't buy out the job right problem, or you have people who don't care problem, or you have people jammed on top of each other and they can't get their stuff done problem. But that's not the information that they're giving you. So the point of your question is, I do think it, some, we learned this by having technology to help us see, oops, we were only collecting symptoms. So in this case, it's informing us to change the process of what information do we actually want to collect from the field. So that's that part is good, but you, but you're wise to to say before you start buying any technology, do I have a an activity that I know what I'm going to do with the information once I if your thing is not just to simplify something, you know that I know what I'm going to do with the information uh, in order to be able to achieve some objective and deliver some value. I think that's so important too because. Um... We, we've had situations like this too with with some of our our clients where they are looking at a new piece of technology or um, where they don't have a process in place like let's say they they want to go into vending and they get sold this this solution of yeah it'll show you all these reports and all these analytics and things like that and my comment to to the client is usually okay well do you have a process in place to to solve these these issues once you get the information and usually the answer is no um, they, they just know that they're spending way too much on, on PPE or people aren't using the right PPE. And then, uh, and so my comment after that is, well, okay, you'll get a bunch of really neat reports that will show you where you're losing money and, uh, you still won't be able to do anything about it. So essentially, instead of bleeding out without not knowing, without, without knowing what was happening, you get to watch yourself bleed out <laughs> and still not be able to do anything about it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Sorry. No. Yeah. And it's like, what problem do you want to solve? And can you, by the way, you can also flip it right on a positive thing, Scott, sorry, this is, but gave me some really good point, which is to say, can we, do we have a hypothesis? Like, can, so we have a hypothesis that he's point that we're bleeding out on this particular point. Can we guess at the hypothesis and can we use technology to validate our hypothesis more quickly and therefore fix our problem? So you right. can start like, and I, I, I say the same thing on inspections. It's like, if you are, why do we have to do the, there's a time and a place for a random inspection, which is where things started, like, you know, a long time ago in industrial world, and we did all these things, and they moved them over, and they got moved over into a lot of these sort of dynamic worlds where people do inspections kind of random. But there's lots of different ways to do them. 
you don't, they don't have to be blind. You can just say, I'm worried this month about falls and just go send people out to do falls because I'm worried about falls because I'm going to go fix fall problems for whatever reason you want to go fix fall problems. That's allowed, you know, so directed, be focused, do what you want to be able to do. It doesn't have to be some magic process. It's just like, have a hypothesis of what it is you're trying to figure out. I don't, I don't know what to figure out. That's a, okay, you can do that. Or I'm to your point. I don't want to, I'm really worried about buying too much or too little of X. Great. Those are, but have a plan, have a problem, have a success plan. How do I want to do it? You'll, you'll end up in a better place, even if it isn't. And by the way, oftentimes you'll live in a different place than where you thought. Yeah. I had this hypothesis, collected this data. Oops. You know, didn't, I didn't answer what I thought, but it answered something else. Good. Good for you. Move on. <laughs> Right? Don't be upset about it. Yeah, no, and I think I think that's important. Um, and can layer in a couple questions here, but um, you know, one is that you know, hopefully things are changing as as far as technology adoption, the ease of technology. The, it's come a long way in the last you know ten or fifteen years, but there's been a lot of failures, and I I think it's 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 because people have this expectation built up in their mind. And when that expectation isn't achieved, then um, you lose a bunch of momentum, you, you lose a bunch of buy-in, and the technology project kind of kind of fails. So, and and I and I'm gonna tie in as well that you know, bring you know, you bring in a new system and you run the report and you're like, oh, the report's wrong. And and nine <laughs> times out of ten, the report, the report is just math. Right. It's just it's just reporting the information that you've asked it to. It's the data that you're collecting is is wrong, and and so it to to me you have to go in with this this mindset that it is going to be iterative. Just just okay. like you said, Barry, you're going to learn as you go, and you're going to need to modify and be flexible. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about you know setting those expectations up front, and then and then how to iterate when when you get the unexpected results, or at least, you know, what, you, what you've seen in your experience. Yeah, that's an interesting, by the way, it's a very interesting sort of even another thready thing, right? So by the way, just a, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's we, the name of our company is called Factor Lab. It may or may not be obvious to some of the people that are on here, but factors, right? Or think complex problems have many factors, got it. And you should treat it like a lab. Right, so you should treat your data stuff, your safety data stuff, like a laboratory. Meaning, have a hypothesis, go test out if it's right or wrong. Don't get too emotional about it. It's mm. okay, you know. Don't get too married to it because it's a it's a complicated world that we live in. It's a very very complicated process problem to solve predicting a serious injury or fatality. Anybody that tells you anything to the contrary is a liar. It's a very complicated problem. There's many things that go into it. So you got to treat it as a lab. And so anyway, that's spirit of this whole thing but i i think i love i tell people don't do one thing <laughs> when you start a technology problem project even if you want to do 50 you have 50 processes and you're trying to integrate them and whatever please don't try and do that all at once just pick <laughs> one thing get better i want to get better at my observation process okay get, that's what you want to get better at great and, and when you say get better what do you mean you want more people to participate in it. You want to increase the quality of it. What does that mean? You know what I mean? And why? How would you know? What value are they going to get out of doing it? And, and by the way, that's a big one. The 
the biggest reasons, by the way, I'll ask you guys, why don't, why doesn't the field adopt technology? So forget, you get, technology is free. All technology is free. It magically lines up with all your processes. Why doesn't the field use it? I, I think it's because it's different. I think people in general have a, they, they like, it, it, it's kind of like the object at rest stays at rest. Uh, if you have if if you have a pattern or a process that you were already operating in, if there's a change to that, even if it's the idea that it'll make things better, it's still a change. And so there there tends to be some resistance to having that change happen. I want to build on that one, but that's good. So yeah, so yeah. change changes. There's a yeah. We don't. We're not. Yeah, change. I'll just put. I'll stop with that. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, you no, know, I, I was I was going to say the why. You know, a lot of times I think that people are asked to use new systems without without understanding why are they doing this why are they taking on more responsibility why are they having to do more administrative work and and uh and yeah i mean <clears throat> human nature is to resist change at all costs i mean we we want to conserve conserve our energy conserve our brain power because we never know when we're going to get our next meal from a evolutionary <laughs> perspective right so so why would we go and and uh and 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 take on more more responsibility more work without without uh, having a clear defined why right that's exactly right and so the three things that i tell people to think about this is my three the three axis tab exactly that. number one these are no particular order value um, i why am i why am i going to get what am i going to get out of this me personally not you me to your point you asking me to change what am i getting is it easier for me is it you know what that's that's number, that's a big one. So if you don't have any, that why, resistance, all that. There's another really, really big one. Trust. Hmm. It's probably the biggest if I think about it. Yeah. You want me to give you information that at some level is going to put me at risk. No thanks. Right? I got to do something extra. I call it discretionary energy. I have to do something extra to give you something that might cost me consequences. I pass, right? Only if I'm a particular, you know what I mean? Like it's a very yeah. small number of people. And then the third thing you got to ring out is, is it hard? You look, I can't, I, you don't, you don't have to convince me about, by the way, stop selling people on stuff and trying to convince them. It's like trying to convince people who don't want to stop smoking to stop smoking. It's like, stop it. You know, you people have to have their own reasons for this and they don't like it, but you've got to find, so I'll change when I'm ready to change. And if I'm ready to change, reduce the barriers for me to change. If you, there's a guy, um, uh, Dr. BJ Fogg that's out there. Yeah. If you've heard of, y'all know BJ? Yes. Yep. Yeah, so, oh, it's interesting. So BJ and I go back, but anyway, he, he's a great guy. But BJ is super smart guy. I think he's one of the best thinkers on this topic. BJ will tell you, remove resistance, right? If you want Barry to eat better, put, you know, put pre-chopped celery at the top shelf of the refrigerator because it just makes it easier for Barry to make better decisions. It's just the way we are. It goes back to the energy stuff. So back to this, all this stuff, as you think about these, you know, I'm going to do some one thing uh, and I want to, you know, I want to implement it and make it work. Pick one thing, make it easy for them, make it clear what the value is and show them, don't tell them that they can trust you. Hmm that what you're going to do with the information is going to be in their best interest. That, and, and that's all part of your success plan. You do that, 
and that works people find positive you know it's just like everything else okay great i can i can walk a block now i can walk two blocks now i'll maybe i'll jog half a block you know what i mean and you can get a little positive momentum behind you, you'll have better success do the opposite you're going to get the opposite yeah exactly Exactly. Yeah. Well, Barry, I wanted to circle back to a, a comment that you made earlier. You brought up conversations <laughs> and I feel like this, uh, like trust has a big part of that in having those kind of conversations. And what I've seen with safety professionals a lot of times is that they're, they're kind of stuck in the middle in their organizations. So they are, they are responsible for helping operations do their job, but operations doesn't want the help. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. Don't tell me how to do my job just because you have a clipboard and <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And then management is kind of breathing down safety is next saying, hey, we need to reduce risk, we need to increase productivity, all these things. And then they're under supported. Uh, maybe they don't have enough people, they don't have enough money in their budget. Um, and so it's a very lonely situation. But uh, in all of those areas, if there is a lack of trust from management to safety and safety to operations and back and forth, uh, those conversations are going to be really hard to to have between all those different areas. And you've got a safety professional that is unfortunately caught in the middle. So talk to us a little bit about how trust and conversation and moving the safety agenda forward all come into play. Yeah, that's a it was a bunch that was wrapped up in that game. But yeah. <laughs> No, I'm, ta yeah, I'm taking I, I'm taking Scott's tactic of uh, <laughs> yeah. bundling questions. questions <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I had if we had magic answer to that, it's we would you know whatever. But I I think it's such an important topic, and it goes. I would say it goes back to where we some of the stuff we talked about a little bit earlier, which is the one way to build trust is to in your conversations is to talk about the elephants in the room, right? We, we're as safety professionals, um, too often times we're conditioning operations <laughs> in a manner, uh, that doesn't serve us well hmm. and, uh, and, and erodes trust as opposed to builds trust, but we do it because, or it's done because people think that we have to, and I'll give you an example, the daily planning activity, right? The daily planning people, oh, that's a really good idea. Okay, that's a really good idea. Uh, what do we do? Well, we have to go and we have to fill out this form and then um, and people call them pretest plans or JHAs or THAs or whatever you call them. People call it different stuff. But they go and they do this thing and they ask all the field to uh, they'll have some guy fill out a form and then they'll have people line up and then they'll sign the form, right? And then everybody will go to work. Um, Safety guy comes along. Uh, he says, oh, my job is to make sure you filled out the form really well. So what does he do? He finds the crew leader, tells him to go get his form, climb down off your ladder, or come over what you're doing, you'll get your form. And then uh, I'm going to, um, I'm going to, it's going to be quiz time. I'm going to look at this and I'll ask you stuff and then I'll coach you, right? Um, are you building a relationship when you do that? No. Right. And you ask those people. And by the way, if you in the office by the, or even the safety guys, if we said, hey, look, here's the deal. Every morning, I'm going to call you into the conference room. And um, we're going to I'm going to fill out a form while you sit there and watch me. And then I'm going to have you sign the form. And if any one of you gets hurt. Right. I'm going to come back and read this form to you and say, how come <laughs> you got 
hurt because we filled out this form. You would, people would quit. They wouldn't do it. It's disrespectful. It doesn't build trust. It's horrible. It's a, but by the way, this is back to your, to your question. I haven't lost you. Every day it happens over and over and over mm. and over again. It doesn't build trust. Now, let's flip it. What if safety professional, on the other hand, said, you know what? This is dumb. This is not respectful. I don't need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for ourselves. And instead of, by the way, us focused on filling out forms, maybe we'll have a fill out a form, but let's have a conversation. And by the way, this is legion to some stuff. I'm going to show you, not tell you, what kind of conversation we should have. I'm going to participate today, not tell you, not make you, I call it the dancing monkey phenomena. So you're going to dance like a monkey. I'll tell you whether or not I like your conversation. If you don't like it, then I'll make you dance again until I do like it. It doesn't build trust. But why does a safety professional do that? He's not doing that to be mean. He's saying this is the only way that I know how to help you solve the problem. It's not. Stop. Say, wait a minute, we're going to do this. Let's all define up front. This is how you build trust, by the way, and how you build relationships with people. Should we, do we want to keep doing this? No. Are we getting, no. Is this a waste of time? Yes. Trust, credibility. Great. Mm. Let, let's think about what we could do instead. What if we all just took five minutes and we had a conversation about what we want? And I'll lead. You tell me if it's valuable or not. Right. Let's, let's sit down. Let's, I came up with, I thought this was dumb. So I came up with five things that I think would be a high impact conversation. You, Mr. Field people who are in the room, Mr. Leaders up or down, do you think these are five elements of a high impact conversation? Right. Should we do this? Should we strive this? Hey, why would these be hard? So these are the, and, and by the way, if you want to take it from the pre-test plan process or the daily plan, and you want to take that now to the uh, inspection process, same thing. Why are we doing this? <laughs> is this really what we want? Right. Is this helping us prevent problems? Or is this just you entertaining me to convince me that you found and fixed a problem? Right. I know this is going to be heresy to a lot of people. And I'm not saying we don't want to find and fix problems. And I'm not saying people shouldn't share it. But what I'm saying is, if you want to build trust and you want to have different conversations with operations people, we have to change the dialogue and say some of the things that we've been doing, we need to shift. And I got an idea how we can do them better. And I got an idea about how we could use technology to get more out of it. That puts you on a peer-to-peer -peer relationship with the operational leaders. And I think, I believe can have, I don't believe, I know, um, is really what they want to hear. Yeah. So, so here's what I love about your comments on that too, is that regardless of the size of the team or the organization, uh, all of those concepts can apply. You can, as long as there's at least one more person that is in your organization, you can have a conversation. You probably will need to build trust. Uh, those are, it, it's, it's almost, it's almost way too straightforward, but it seems like the simplest things are the hardest to implement. So to have those kinds of conversations where you build trust, as you said, regardless of whether it's with the executive management or the operations team, um, the operations person, I mean, I don't care how small the organization is, you will need to bridge those kinds of gaps and, and build that, that communication, that trust, that, those conversations. Um, and I like that you, you went through your whole 
explanation of this and the word technology only showed up at the very end <laughs> there's no explanation with all any of that because you're right the problem usually stems from from trust from interpersonal relationships from conversations and and that's so critical from a business standpoint because there are still people that are are, are working in this organization together you have to have those problems defined you have to have the trust that's in there before you even bring up any sort of a solution yeah yeah I was I was getting flashbacks to uh, oh, sorry Barry did you did you no wait? no finish I want to come back to something Gabe said in a second but it's okay wait no problem no you you go ahead because I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna derail this conversation so oh, well <laughs> I just want to point out something that I forgot to say earlier but I think is really important and Gabe brought it up I'm changing first before I'm asking you to change there you go right that's that's how we do it it's not you know so none of that was like hey you're a dummy you don't know how to do a conversation. That, that, that's not it. It is like, I'm doing things that are leading you. I, I created this, whether you personally created the pretest plan process is not the point. I've been perpetuating it. I've been conditioning you to think this is what I want. If you go to people and say, I've been thinking about this and I, I gotta, I want to make this better. I, here's what I'm willing to do. That's a, that's people are like you say, whether you have one person or you have a bunch of people, you're going to get a much different response. And it takes a little courage, but I'm telling you, people are really just waiting for us to say, because they don't want to say it because they don't want to be difficult. They mm. just want to do their job. You know what I mean? Like I'm do, I'm, I'm lining and signing this thing because I've given up or I'm just trying to get along. Right. And I'm not going to fight you because I want my job. But if you come to me and say, we could fix this, the vast majority of the people are like, thank you goodness how can i help you right now there's always going to be some crank but whatever you don't worry about those people they'll get sorted out by their peers and you know yeah anyway, I, didn't, I didn't mean to go on too long on that well, but i just I'm the, what if i'm the cranky one <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's okay yeah. you get dealt I, with by your peers <laughs> exactly. i was i was going to say this like i was having flashbacks to 2010 and and really where the idea for Safepedia came from, you know, when we were sitting around a table with, with the, you know, VP of health and safety for the owners and the, and then the, you know, senior, senior safety professionals for the, the contractors on site. And, and they were saying just, you know, exactly that. It's like, Hey, if you want us, if, if, if the requirement for us to be on this job site is to have a certain you know, injury frequency rate, that's the, that's the injury frequency rate that we're going to have. And, and that's the reality. Like we're going to bury the bodies in order to make sure that, that we hit that number and we keep, we keep working. But if we really want to solve this problem, let's, <clears throat> let's step back and, and let's talk about what's really important here. Is it that, that injury frequency rate, or is it, you know, keeping people safe on the, on the job site and how do we do a better job at, at that? you know, rather than just, just hitting the numbers. So um, it's, uh, again, like I said, it was just having a flashback to that, uh, that conversation, but I, I wanted, you know, we, we've been asking you a bunch of loaded questions, um, you know, so I wanted to just- Had no softballs here. <laughs> <laughs> I just, just, well, I'm, I just wanted to throw a really simple, you know, that maybe this is the softball question, you know, for, for, for you, but, you know, with, 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 uh, Technology, just the proliferation of technology with chat GPT and machine learning and AI. Um, you know, what, what, uh, 
you know, for safety professionals who are sitting out there thinking about not, not just maybe how to bring safety or uh, technology into their organization, but thinking about their career development and how to be in the front front runners of safety professionals within their industries, you know, what, what kind of advice do you have for them? Do they, do they need to become data scientists? Do they need to become, you know, su super sophisticated when it comes to understanding technology? Um, you know, how should they kind of view themselves as, as uh, forward thinking, forward looking uh, safety professionals? Yeah. Thanks for opening this uh, opportunity. <laughs> I, I think this is, you know, I think this is, this is this in, there's like lots of threads here, but the first is this is a fantastic time to be a safety professional and thinking about technology. Um, and um, I think a lot of times, somebody mentioned it a little bit earlier that, you know, we're safety profession has always been 10 years behind. I think in this case, this is, I like to tell people, safety is not going to be last this time. Hmm. And the reason I'm saying that and I, again, if I were, and I tell this to people all the time, and if you can hear this, this is my message. Language is knowledge. And our business is all about language. Technology is allowing us, never before in the history of mankind have we been able to collect, synthesize, organize, and generate language like we can today. It is happening right before our eyes. So as you think about your organization, think about it language like how do i how do i shift from forms how do i shift from boxes that do not give me the context and the information that i can to gathering language that lets me understand what's really happening and then i think the big part of that that comes next is what am i listening for we we've thought and it's the same conversation we had earlier we thought for a long time that we were really, and many of you probably think, oh, if I could listen for language. Well, I'll ask you the question. If you were going to listen for language, what kind of language would most safety professionals be listening for? What, what have we conditioned ourselves to listen for? I'd say anything related to uh, injuries or risk. Okay. Scott? Yeah, no, I, I think that's what they're, uh, I, th I, th I think th they're, it, it's the kind of you you touched on it earlier it's sort of the 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 challenges the problems the negative you know aspects of what's going on in in the workplace where we're not you know you're not tying off you're not you know wearing the proper ppe you know th those are the those are the things that i think you know from a compliance um perspective they've been trained to uh you know we've been trained to to kind of focus in on that's right. I think if most of us would would put it into sort of the hazard slash behavior category, you know what I mean? What are the hazards? What hazards are people talking about? Maybe what are the controls? And I think the opportunity, what we're going to, what we find out now and what the promise of technology is letting us look beyond that. Once you're going to hear the what's, you can begin to think about the why's. So yeah, like, the, whether it's injuries or whatever. Okay, so you're talking about our risks. The real question is why? Why are people talking about what they're talking about? And why are they not talking about other things? And what do I really want them talking about? Now, what I'm gonna say to you is like, if you think about this, 
as many can hear me are going to go like, oh, got it. But we've never been able to do it before. And it's this concept of like precursors. So if I want to talk, I know that a precursor comes before a hazard or an injury. But what does that language actually sound like? How do people normally talk about it? And how do the better people talk about it? How, how, does it, how does it come out naturally? How do leaders, how do my better leaders creating an environment where people want to talk about them? So change, you know what I mean? So we care about change. How often does change come up? How do people talk about change? What's the right way to talk about change? What sorts of change? These are fatigue. How do we talk about fatigue? How do I ask you if you're tired or not? We've never, and if you ask me to fill out a form, I will never, are you tired today? Dumb, never going to work. Right. In a daily planning conversation or in a, in a, in a follow-up, a kind of a thoughtful debrief after an inspection or an observation, if you just listened to those conversations or use technology to listen to those and capture those conversations, we can now begin to get at less about the individual conversation and more about the environment for a conversation. Do, I, do my leaders even understand what a precursor is? Are my leaders, do my leaders even think about when they talk about in the morning, not only the hazards, but the things that would lead up to the hazards or those things or how I respond to change, right? So this is the promise of technology to help us move beyond what we have been limited to think about because we can capture it and synthesize it and organize it in ways that we could not in the past. And that allows the safety, the, the young, young, old doesn't matter. It allows them to look at these problems through a different lens and imagine solutions that were unimaginable before. And that is what's going to transform our industry. It's not going to be a better thing to give me more, a simpler way to collect falls, because that's not my problem. My problem is, why would my leaders create an environment where it was a good idea to that guy to do that? And because I can fix that systemically. And that's the role of the safety professional, not to whack moles, but to figure out, learn from the organization, use the hop stuff, right? How do I create a learning organization to figure out like why in the world would we build a safety system that didn't have the capacity to support that? Hmm. That's, that's the promise of technology. Yeah, I, th I think it's um, just amazing where, where we're at right now. And, and it's, it's, it's exciting and scary at the, at the same time because the machines, computers can look at data objectively with, without, without our bias and, and kind of give us information that, like you said, we've never had access before. And I, I think, you know, what, what I heard and, you know, what I believe is it's, it's the safety professionals who can ask the better questions, right? Who can, who can probe a little deeper, who can be a little bit more creative in, in, in analyzing that data and asking the questions to refine it and improve the organization. And I think that people that are in safety, you know, generally are there because they, 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 they are people, people, you know, they, they want to keep people safe. They, they believe what they're doing is, 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 you know, beneficial to the organization and, and, and people's well-being. And yeah, it's like digging in, getting creative, asking those questions is what is what's going to push them forward in, in their careers. Um, 
and uh, and and leveraging technology, not becoming data scientists, you know, or not not becoming super proficient with technology, but becoming better at at asking those questions. I think that, by the Gabe, you were going to say something, and I'll, I'll chime in in a second. Yeah, what I what I liked about um, this whole this whole comment about um, about the use of technology, you you brought up how. Uh, technology and, and and language that's that's where knowledge they where they all intersect and allows you to to build those relationships with people um so even one of our our past guests uh, josh russell was talking about how he had been in in the same organization and at different interfacing with different people at all different levels of of management operations and he's got a lab that he works with and everybody is in some cases literally speaking a different language i mean from a you know it's it's so hard to try and bridge those gaps but if you are if you're using uh, technology or or any other tool to try and translate from from let's say management to operations or from safety to operations those kinds of things uh, it allows you to to start not just imparting knowledge but even gaining knowledge from those different areas so I, I think that's that's amazing and and the fact that you can actually define and redefine a culture in your organization based on the use of language the sharing of, of knowledge in it and then having technology just facilitate that and be the really the tool that it's supposed to be to build that uh, I think you could see a lot of organizations just growing so much better, not just in safety, but operationally as well. You just tied you tied like a, like a bunch of our themes together. So I just it's very interesting that you said that, and you know, like let's go to Scott's thing. It all goes back to what am I listening for in these things, which is reframing the question, right? And it isn't like that these big machines are going to fly in from Mars and take over the world and tell us how to do safety. It's not like that. These, the, the, the leaders who are listening to this conversation, you get to define what you want the machine to pay attention to. They're not, they're dumb things. They, we train them to do things. And you can say, I want to listen to all my daily plan. Let's just like, you know, shameless plug. We, we care a lot about daily planning conversations and listening to those daily planning conversations. I think that's a big, big deal. And you should, people should do that. But the question is like, what do you listen for? And to your, to your point back to culture, I think it's a big deal to listen for care and trust in a conversation. Well, I, I bet a lot of people right now are going, well, what the heck does that sound like? That's a good question. Now, I have lots of thoughts on that you can get to, but we can start with, please, thank you, nice job, great to see you, thanks for yesterday. So, if you're going to say, like, how many times do people in your organization today say that in the morning? Mm. And how many times would you like that to be said? And what are you going to do to create the environment where the chances of that are increased? And then listen and see if it works. That's the promise of technology. It, it isn't, you know, and it's like, and it's all the stuff around that that makes the difference so and by the way a lot of people i didn't realize this when we started this before please and thank you and the the willingness the ability and the and that someone would create an environment where people will do that transcends the individual conversation i don't just say please and thank you right now i'll probably say please and thank you later right. and what does please and thank you mean well please and thank you 
means you're not a jerk. And I got big news for you. All the research shows people don't like to work for jerks. <laughs> so what's the problem with that? The problem with that is people don't give jerks bad news. What's the problem with that? In our space, organizations who avoid bad things create environments where people give them bad news, right? So how many jerks are you having right now that aren't giving, their people aren't talking to them after this meeting about something they need to be talking about? Asking a question, feeling vulnerable, don't know what to do, blah, 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 blah. That's the crap that hurts people. That's the stuff that we get away with 99% of the time and then all crap. That one time I didn't ask, I wasn't prepared, something changed, shit happened. And then we, you know, then we go into all this other crap. You know, it's... So to your point, Gabe, and back to your point, Scott, listening, deciding, like using technologies, we can get, we couldn't get them before. I can get these conversations. Okay, well, what am I going to listen for? Well, you can listen for hazards if you want. And there's nothing wrong with that for sure. Like absence of information is almost as important as, or maybe more important than the information that got it. Mm-hmm. But I would encourage you to be open-minded as, and say, wow, what do I really want to know? Precursors, uh, care, planning, work, um, trust, scope. Yeah. That's it's it's a new frontier for us. And it's I think it is, I don't think I'm telling you, it is going to transform the role of the safety professional and how we think about and imagine solutions to solve our most complex problems. Yeah, I I I love that. And I think that that might be a great place to uh kind of tie up the conversation today. I, I also just reflecting, thinking. Maybe that's why my team doesn't share anything with me on my. <laughs> I gotta use. You just got outed, Scott. <laughs> please and thank you a little bit more. Maybe I'm a big jerk and I didn't. Do it. I, I think, in all seriousness, it is. It is. I think the most exciting time to to be in environmental health and safety because of technology. Um, you know, I think because of the shift in in culture, and and. Um, I mean, you you used to have to be practically a programmer, right, to bring bring in um, you know new technology into your organization. And now that's all taken care of. You just need to know, like, I mean, we've seen ChatGPT and 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 what it, it can do. Um, so now, as a as a safety professional, it's asking those better questions, listening listening to that information, and and um, I think it will definitely shift the. Uh, shift the profession going forward. So thank, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. Barry, Gabe, do you have any, anything closing remarks you wanted to, wanted to um, add? Not really. I think uh, you and Barry wrapped it up well, but um, Barry, for our, our, our five, maybe six listeners that we are <laughs> having now, where, where can they uh, get in touch with you and where can they learn more about Factor Lab? Uh, so to uh, Scott's mom, uh, <laughs> make sure that she knows my dessert thing for Canadian Thanksgiving. So yeah. I want to make sure that that's organized. And then Gabe, uh, yeah, uh, Factor Lab, FactorLab.com. That's the, you know, go there. There's a little thing. Um, you can f- follow us on LinkedIn. You know, you can find us there. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can reach me at Barry. B A R R Y N at Factor Lab. We.com, you know, we appreciate awesome. it. And we're not, I guess that's one thing I will, my thing is we are, we are very big on trying to help us all move forward with these opportunities. And we're very open to 
sharing and learning. Uh, and we think if you're interested in like this language space, um, we, we're very interested in the dialogue with everybody who's working on this and trying to learn together. So um, if you're working on something, come tell us about it. We want to, we want to learn too, and we're happy to share because we think it's a, it's a really exciting time um, for everybody. And, but it's also early days. And so, you know, very cool. learn together. So thanks awesome. so much. Thank you both for the opportunity. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, I, I was saying to Gabe earlier that, um, I mean, I, in my, my role, you know, I, I talked to so many companies and, um, you know, people within those organizations and, you know, when we first connected, it was, you know, it was like, we need to, we need to get you on the podcast. We need to interview. We need to share your, your experience, your knowledge with our audience. So I would encourage, you know, whoever's listening, <laughs> um, um, you know, to, to definitely reach out to, to Barry. He's, he's super approachable, super, super easy to, to talk to. And I, and I think that, you know, those, those comments that kind of wrapped up the conversation, I think there's probably a lot of, of safety professionals are out there at that transition point in their career. They're, they're, they're a little bit right in the technology. They're not, they're not quite ready to embrace it. And I would just encourage you to reach out to Barry, you know, pick, pick his brain, get his, his, his ideas, his opinions. He, he, he won't try to sell you anything, Right. Um, you know, out of, out of the gate, you know, maybe, maybe down the road when, right. once you're ready, but definitely give you some great advice on, on how to move forward in, in your career. Um, you know, as that forward-looking uh, safety professional. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Gabe. Super nice to meet you guys and spend oh, some time with you. So thanks very much. Yeah, thanks. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Bet. All right.